I understand that today is first day of Chinese New Year. I think I heard someone say, Sun Nin Phai Lok. And if I remember correctly, in Hong Kong, the greeting was Kung Hai Fat Choi. Yeah? Um, I remember the first year that we were in Hong Kong. The first Christmas and the first Chinese New Year were, uh, shall I say, real culture shocks. Because we had come from a country where Christmas was very, very important and basically everything shut down. And I can remember getting up on Christmas Day and looking out the window and there was the garbage man collecting all the garbage. And I thought, oh, okay, things are a bit different here. But then when we got to Chinese New Year, and that stage, many of the traders shut their businesses for up to 10 days. And so everything shut down and you had to be very, very organised to make sure that you had food and things like that. Uh, over the years, the situation changed and the length of time that the businesses were shut did uh, decrease quite a lot. So time did make a difference. But I think we're very, very fortunate that there are some things which do not change. God never changes, and his word does not change. So let's just ask the Lord to please speak to us now. Father, as we come to your word, I would ask that you would be, show yourself to be faithful and speak through it to our hearts. I believe, Father, that you know everything that is going on in our lives and you desire to minister to us at our point of need. And so, Father, I lift this time to you that you indeed will be the one who is honoured. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we are doing a series entitled When God's Spirit Moves. And in the first session, Clifford shared with us that Jesus told his disciples that he was going away. But he was going to send another counsellor, another helper, to be in them, to be with them and to be in them. And during this discourse, he told them that it was a good thing that he was going away. They did not understand why at that particular time. Now, it's sometimes said that men cannot multitask, but women can. However, doesn't matter whether we're male or female, we cannot be in two places at once. So when Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit to be in his disciples, he was uh, going to make it possible for, no matter where he, these disciples were, he would be with them, he would be in them, he would be able to minister. And so in, in some ways we could say he could be in more than one place at a time. Last week, Kent spoke to us about the Holy Spirit being a power source. He is the one who gives us power to witness. He is the one who gives us power to overcome temptation and sin. 
He is the one who can empower us to live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. And today we're going to look at another aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 13, we saw that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. And that word truth caught my attention. Uh, We could say, what is truth? Jesus himself answered that question in John chapter 17, verse 17, when he was praying for his disciples. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And he was actually repeating an Old Testament uh, verse because in chapter t- in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 28, these are the words that we read. Now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are truth. The NIV uses the word trustworthy, but the old, te- uh, old versions have the word truth. So what does the Bible say about itself? In Psalm 119, verse 89, it says, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I believe that these two verses indicate that the principles in God's word do not change. The basic truths in God's word do not change. In 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, we read, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, we read, All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So if God the Father spoke through the Holy Spirit, I believe that it's logical that we can look to the Holy Spirit to help us understand that word. Now, according to that verse in Timothy, God's word is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Older versions say doctrine, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Perhaps an easy way to remember this is to say that God's word seeks to show us what is right, what is wrong, what we need to get right, and how to keep right. Now, I would like to read to you um, some parts of an article that I saw around Christmas time. It's entitled, The Key Jesus Question We Should Ask Before Christmas. It was written by an Australian journalist. And he said, We get a lot of things wrong about Jesus, about what he did and didn't do. But before Christmas, we should ask ourselves one key question. 
And his comment is, almost definitely not. 2022 years ago, a child was born in Bethlehem. He was almost definitely not the product of a virgin mother. And he went on to almost definitely not turn water into wine, almost definitely not feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fishes, almost definitely not walk on water, and almost definitely not physically rise from the dead. However, he almost definitely was born, almost definitely said a lot of very profound and interesting things, and almost definitely was crucified. But whether all or any of these things definitely did or didn't happen is immaterial. All that matters is that that man, whether he was real or not, became the most influential person in human history. And he goes on to point out how Jesus had to transform the Roman Empire and there are apparently three billion adherents around the world today. So whether Jesus actually existed or not, and the vast majority of scholarships suggest that he did, he is either way a pretty big deal. And then a little bit further on he makes this comment. As with any vital question, the two extremes have more in common with their simplicity and ignorance than the vast majority of pragmatic ponderers in the middle. Fundamentalists and atheists are united in their absolute conviction. The former believe everything the Bible says is true, the latter that it is all false. As usual with extremists, they are both wrong. The supernatural accounts contained in the good book are clearly unsupportable by basic science. And yet the dismissal of religion is a complete disregard of human history and with it humanity itself. And then he goes on to make some other comments which I don't think are particularly uh, relevant at the moment. But as I read that to you, what were you thinking? From a Christian point of view, what can we say? Let's think of the doctrine part, aspect first. Firstly, he made the comment that Jesus was not born of a virgin. If he was not born of a virgin, what does that mean? It means that he was just an ordinary man. He was tainted by a sin nature. Now you might remember that a few weeks ago I told you that all people who were born after the fall are spiritually dead and have inherited the sin nature. We have a natural tendency to sin. So if Jesus was not born of a virgin, he was not qualified to pay the price for our redemption and we are still lost in our sin. What about the statement that he almost definitely did not physically rise from the dead? If Jesus did not rise from the dead after being crucified, God was not satisfied with the sacrifice and we are still dead in our sins. 
So the virgin birth and the resurrection from the dead are two of the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith, but it's only as the Holy Spirit reveals this to us that we will accept it as true. It's only when the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts that we will believe it. There's an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul is contrasting human wisdom with God's wisdom. And in verses 10 to 16, it says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? We have the mind of Christ." And that verse 14 says, remember, it says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he does not understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so I think, personally, that article is an example of human wisdom speaking. And I thought I would share with you an example of how the Holy Spirit within a person makes a difference. Wayne's father was not a Christian, and so when Wayne became a Christian, he tried to convince his father of the need to accept Jesus as his saviour, but he was not interested. We started to pray for him, and one year when we came back from Hong Kong for our holidays, we took Mama and Papa over to Cofford's Bay so that we could all go fishing together. And then one night, uh, when Naomi, she was only about six at that particular time, she was asked to say grace. So she said grace, and at the end of it, she said, please help Papa to become a Christian. He didn't say anything at that moment, but when the children went to bed, he figuratively tore strips off us. How dare we make him look small in the eyes of the children? How dare we do that? And he just did not want to listen to anything that we would try to say to him. Fast forward eight years. And he was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumour. This was in the January. He became a little bit more interested in Christianity, but said he couldn't understand the Bible when he tried to read it. In the June of that year, there were complications. 
and Wayne received a phone call to say that his father possibly would not live another 24 hours. So he was fortunately able to get a seat on a plane and came back to Australia and went straight to the hospital to talk with his dad. And he said to him, do you have peace? His dad said, no. Do you want peace? Yes, I do. And so Wayne was able to lead his father to know the Lord. And God very graciously gave him another nine months. Because his eyesight had been quite affected, we got for him the New Testament on tape. Now, I know that's old-fashioned, but this was back in 19, what was it? You know, 1993, when technology <laughs> was not what it is now. But anyway, he started to listen to it. And his comment to us was, oh, I can understand it so much better when I listen to it on the tape than when I tried to read it. But the difference was, he had then, that when he was listening, he then had the Holy Spirit within him, not before when this Holy Spirit was still outside of him. And so I think this was a very strong example of the difference that the Holy Spirit within a person can make as we even just read and listen to the scriptures. That article that I read seemed to indicate that all of is indicated, it says that, uh, well, it didn't, let's start again. It denies that all scripture is inspired by God. And it seemed to give the idea that we can perhaps pick and choose. I think the expression is cherry pick. What we want to understand, what we want to believe. But as I mentioned before, I believe that the Holy Spirit, or that the God's word, gives us principles which can be applied to every aspect of our life. And the Holy Spirit wants to teach us how to apply those specific principles. For example, I believe that the scripture shows that marriage is one man and one woman for life. So when I read an article where three people are sharing how wonderful their throuple is. I think that's how you pronounce it. I think, hang on, this is not what God's word says. This is not in accordance with God's word. But that's what, they, that's what people are saying. In Matthew chapter five, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus um, said, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So we Christians need to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit so that we can avoid being drawn into anything that could violate the principles of marriage or sexual purity. We need to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And this can include what is looked at on the internet at home. Some time ago, there was a group called the Children of God. I think they've changed their name now. But the leader of this group said, God is love. True. Sex is love. Therefore, it is perfectly all right 
for me to enter into a sexual relationship with any girl, any woman, any time I want to. What does the Holy Spirit say about that? This is a false teaching. And it's an example of where we need to test the spirits. Line up what we're being told or what we see against the principles of God's word. In the same sermon, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And he goes on to say that reconciliation should be sought. Then a little later in the same um, book, he says, uh, when Jesus was teaching the Lord's Prayer, he said after it, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. And I must admit that the Holy Spirit has used these verses, um, shall I say, a few times? Just a few times. We were married for about 50 years, a bit over 50 years, so I think it would be fair to say that there were a few times when we didn't quite see eye to eye. And the atmosphere between us was a little bit cool or distant, like you stay down in that room and I'll stay here. And you sleep on that side of the bed and I'll sleep on this side of the bed and don't come anywhere closer to me. So it was very, very, as I said, cool. But anyway, I can remember Wayne coming to me and saying, I'm sorry I said so and so, I'm sorry I did such and such, will you forgive me? And I would say, yes. I said yes, but inside there was still this <laughs> anger. And um, of course, you, you're, you're perfect, you won't be doing this, but my mind would still be going on all these things that he was doing wrong and saying wrong. And then it was almost as if the Holy Spirit would tap me on the shoulder and say, hang on, hang on. Now, if you ask God to forgive you, you expect to be forgiven immediately. Don't you think that you should forgive him? (sighs) Okay, Lord, yes, I guess so. But then I would have to make a deliberate effort, a conscious effort to, I think the scripture uses the words, take every thought captive. Not let my mind go back down the negatives, but instead think the good things. Say thank you. (laughs) I could just see some (laughs) coming. Thank you for thank you for the good things. Thank you for the positives. Pray blessing upon him. Not go down the negative. But it was the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart and bringing His Word back to my mind that helped me to deal with that particular situation. So what are the, some of the applications for us to, for today? If God has given us his spirit, he did so for a reason. He's given us his word for a reason. 
Now those verses, that verse in John said that we were, that the Holy Spirit wants to guide us into truth. But firstly, we have to want to listen to the truth. In Acts chapter 7, we have the record of Stephen standing before the Sanhedrin and he was responding to the accusation that he had blasphemed against Moses and against God. And towards the end of that, he said, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And then a little bit further on, it says, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. Then according to verse 57, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. We will meet many people who do not want to listen to God's word. They will not want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. But we should be asking God to minister to us every time that we read it and every time we listen to it that the Holy Spirit will make, it, make the word alive and, and teach us from it. We need to put ourselves in the place where we can listen. In Luke chapter 10, we have the record of um, Jesus being in the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha became upset that she was doing all the preparation while her sister was just sitting down and listening to Jesus. And so she came to him and she said, tell her to help me. To which Jesus replied, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. What Martha was doing wasn't wrong. It was, but even good things can sometimes get in the way and distract us from really learning what the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. It can be good that we want to do well at school. It can be good that we want to do well with our jobs. It can be good that we want to be fit and healthy. But are these things distracting us from spending time really seeking to listen to what God wants to teach us through his word. We need to be willing to obey. In Matthew chapter 19, I think, no, 19 it is, we have the record of a rich young man coming to Jesus and asking what good thing he had to do to get eternal life. And Jesus said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which one? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, 
If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So when the Holy Spirit does speak to us, are we willing to obey what he says? In the scripture reading, in chapter four, verse 14, he said, the Holy Spirit will bring glory to me. The job of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus. It is never to emphasize himself. It is never to seek glory for himself. And just as it is possible to underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit, it is possible to overestimate his work. And we need to seek to try and find balance. You know, as I've thought about this particular topic, I don't think I can share how much I appreciate the ministry of God's Word and the Holy Spirit in my own life. I think I've vaguely recall sharing with you some time ago how when I did this study of um, covenant, God gave to me an assurance of my salvation, which I hadn't had before. And it was interesting, after we finished that study, I think the next one I did was James. And James is a very practical book, and so the, the Spirit seemed to be saying to me, okay, you know you are saved, but you need to be showing it by the way you live. It's no good to just say you're a Christian. You have to be doing it, shall I say. And actually, when we look at Scripture, this is a principle that is there all the way through. If you really love God, if you really are a Christian, you will be showing it by the way that you live. And then after we finished that one, I did um, the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount went the next step. Okay, you say you know you're a Christian, you are doing the right things, but what's the attitude of your heart? And that was the message that the Holy Spirit really imprinted on me through the study of the Sermon on the Mount. Because the Pharisees were doing everything right, but what did God, uh, Jesus call them? Whitewashed sepulchres and uh, a brood of vipers. He was very, very scathing on them because they said the right things, but inwardly they hadn't been changed. And so the Holy Spirit really uh, worked in my life to teach me those sorts of things. There was one time, I'm sorry, Naomi, you're going <laughs> to be again. Uh, I can't remember how old she was, probably still at primary school. She hurt her knee playing, probably playing netball, so I took her to the hospital and it was x-rayed. 
And when they brought the x-ray back, the, the doctor said, well, the knee seems to be okay, but there's this mark on the bone up above uh, the knee. Um, we need to keep an eye on this to make sure it doesn't turn into cancer. And I heard that word cancer and oh, no. I had just been in a Bible study where the lady had been doing Philippians. Uh, and the, the verse was, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. God still uses that <laughs> to me. Do not be anxious. And she had pointed out to us, it was a command. We were supposed to obey that. So whenever I start, my mind started to think, cancer, 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 oh, don't be anxious. Pray about the situation. Cancer, 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 don't be anxious. Pray about the situation. Thankfully, over time, it's, it's worked out. But, you know, God used, through the Holy Spirit, that, that verse to minister to my heart. He does still use that verse <laughs> quite often. No, I won't go down that one. Um, <laughs> my son, Derek... I've spoken about Derek. When he, back in Hong Kong at that stage, you had to do uh, what they called the O-levels after five years of high school. He did quite satisfactory in his O-levels. But when he started to do these, his A-levels, his results went way down there. And there was one exam, I think in the June before they did their A-levels, they used to do the mocks. And there was one paper where <laughs> it was so bad it was ungraded. We were, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do about this? And we were trying to push him to study, push him to study, push him to study. And I sat down to read God's word and I thought, Lord, I need help. Teach me, show me what you want me to do. And it seemed to say to me, hands off, leave it alone, stop nagging, let it go. I will deal with it. And I thought, okay, Lord. If he fails, it's not the end of the world. He can sit for it again another year, but let it go. We let it go, and amazingly, he passed. But God worked. But I had to listen to what the Holy Spirit was saying. Don't nag. Let it go. And I think I shared with you, after Wayne died, I went through a period of real doubt. Is he really with you? Is he really with you? And God showed me over and over and over from his word. Those who have accepted Jesus as their saviour and Lord are, they do have eternal life. He is with the Lord. And there's probably other things that I can share, how God's Holy Spirit has taken his word and he has ministered it to my heart. And my hope, my desire is that all of us would just appreciate so much more what God has given us in his word. The help, the guidance, the wisdom, the strength, the power that he wants to give us but we need to avail ourselves of it. We have to want to listen to it. We have to take the time to listen to it. 
and we need to be willing to obey it because God does want to lead us into all truth. He really does want to minister into our lives. As always, if God has spoken to your heart today and you want to talk to someone, I'm sure that there are people here today who would be willing to sit down with you and share with you and let you ask questions. And they will just share with how the, the Spirit, how God has ministered to them and hopefully lead you into a deeper relationship with him. But let's just spend a couple of moments in prayer. Father God, you are so faithful. You are so 